tomorrows. The weather's a beaut. The night's a puppy. Welcome to Out of the Podcast. We did it again. Isn't that right? Co-hosts of mine and and friend extraordinaire, Fancy Dan. Quite quite an intro. Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, gentlemen, Joey again. here to say, well, welcome back. We did it. We're getting through it. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I uh, I spent most of this past weekend watching a lot of stuff. I uh, I I just out of out of nowhere, I just decided I'm like I'm gonna watch four Batman's this weekend. Attaboy. The 89 through Batman and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> so so I went through that. What's the um, ranking? Give it to us. Oh, boy. Starting um, at number four, we got, what, Batman right, so Forever? You, no, okay. actually. Batman Returns? Uh, no. So, so I'm gonna, uh, Yeah, so I'm going, I'm going, here, here's, here's where I'm going. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm going to go Batman and Robin, I would say is fourth. I'm Batman Forever. That. Um, okay. And Batman Returns, yeah. and then Batman '89. Wow! So it just kept getting worse for you then. Yeah, and it's it's funny because it, it it really is a testament of like you know growing up. I mean, like I was more like cognizant of like going to the theater and remembering seeing Forever and Batman and Robin. Yeah, I Same. remember watching the '89 and, and Batman Returns. You know, like a little bit like early '90s, like after they came out but I was still relatively young and it just, they, those movies didn't hit me the same way. Like I liked the 89 one, but for whatever reason, Batman returns, I just had very little interest in at the time. Um, but I had a lot of I'm, interest. This is, this is when like, I was like, Holy shit. Like seeing Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. I was, I was, I realized how much I loved women at that point. Cause God damn, <laughs> that is, that is an attractive uh, feature of that movie, but I would actually oh, put that sure. at the bottom. It is, it's uh it's okay, but it's, it's just, it's a weird slog of a movie i the thing i like most about that is christopher walken's son in it is just like oh yeah playing he's just doing an impression of christopher walken like that's his style he's like dad it's it's so funny uh oh yeah it's a, it's a nice little touch you, you you figure out but yeah you know what actually i'd probably put i don't know i mean forever yeah probably forever at the bottom and then returns and then batman and then batman and robin but batman and batman and robin are, are pretty close so you're, you're you are hyped on Batman and Robin. I just think it's like as a movie, it's the most fun to watch because the other ones, it's like they're trying to be serious enough where I have to be nitpicky. Whereas Batman uh -huh. and Robin is just like, yeah, throw some nipples on it. Let's get some butt shots <laughs> and and uh, ice to see you, buddy. You know, like, let's have a good time. It's just the most watchable to me, you know, in yeah. a way of just like watching like a really, you know, a B movie. And in this case, it's a bat movie. Yeah. I can but, see that, yeah. And then Batman is just, I mean, Nicholson is so good in it. You got Prince on the soundtrack. Uh, yeah. You know, the only thing that would have taken that to number one is if all Prince on the soundtrack. That's all right. You, you yeah. do what you can. There's no room for Bat Dance uh, in, in the film, I guess. I don't know. But Nicholson yeah. just is is so good. And it just, like, the cinematography, especially that one, because I find Returns yeah. is just, like, too much in the, in the realm of uh, Tim Burton. Yeah. You know, where there's this nice reined in, you're still kind of coming off of Beetlejuice and everything. Like, it just is such a good looking movie. Yeah. And, you know, like 89 cinematography is just like, there's nothing better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I felt that way. Um, I, I think, like I said, I hadn't watched a lot of them in a very long time. So it was just like revisiting, especially like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Those are yeah. ones that like I watched as a kid. But now being the age I'm at, like, like, yeah, I get what you're saying. But also like, as far as movies go, I was just kind of like, these are just like 
they're just not very good movies. Like, I mean, they're enjoyable to watch because it's just Absolutely. like a fun Oh, they are, they are trash. But, but, but they're but, just trash. I think that was my issue. But the thing you learn is that the first two are trash too. You know, they're all trash. Oh, yeah. It's just oh, different yeah. kinds of trash. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't, I'm not ranking Schumacher and Burton movies pretty high on my overall life list, you know, yeah. like not at all. Yeah. No, I, I agree with all that. I just, I had like the temptation to watch the 89 one. And then I after like I watched it. that one, I was just like, I guess I'm just going to go, I'm going to go all in and, and just keep going. Cause they're all streaming uh, between, uh, I think they're all on Hulu. Actually. Hulu. Yeah. They were on HBO yeah. max. And when I went to go look for them, even though I have the Blu-rays, of course, uh, right. it was, they weren't there and they were on Hulu and I found that very strange. And then I, I did the Nolan trilogy was my temptation, which I hadn't seen in quite some time. Yeah. And, uh, well, all right. I, I like dark Knight better than I had. Uh, I thought about getting into them. Yeah, I found myself more open to them than I have been in a while. Mm. It definitely falls apart by the third one more so than ever. But yeah, I, I found I had been kind of poo-pooing Dark Knight in my head for the last couple of years. And then rewatching, I was like, no, 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 it is. It is pretty good, actually. Like, I'd say that's one of my one of, if not my favorite of the, of those ones. I really liked that one. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched it, too. But that one I remember stood out to me like I like that one probably the most. Well, and watching Begins, just trying to remember that mindset of like, you know, coming off of Batman and Robin. You know, it's easy to like Batman and Robin now because we've been able to get what we want from a Batman. Yeah. But at that time, we needed something like that. And it was a great time. And yeah, like I said, you get some some Dolph Lundgren, some Eric Roberts in there. <laughs> you get rewarded for your trip but uh yeah, yeah. cool glad to hear so that was the that was the journey i was on i watched that movie drive my car oh yeah i've been wanting to see that how was it fantastic love it was good yeah yeah really really good as far as these oscar contenders go it, it's the first worthy one i've really seen yeah that was the impression i got without seeing it like of the ones that i've i've read about and seen about like that one seemed like it's probably the, the cream of the crop that's fantastic. It's on HBO Max if anyone's looking for it. Oh, it is on there now? Okay, cool. Yep. Give it a shot. You can have a good time. Other than that, I was in Connecticut visiting my mom. We had, we had a loss in the family. Shout out to Aunt Susan. She was a yeah. good one. But, you know, that's how it goes. Sorry about that. That's all yeah. right. <laughs> Not trying to bring it down. You're back. Yeah. Just trying to give a little shout out to, uh, you know, the people in your life. Yeah, for the sure. Ones, ones still around, feel free to, to give them a hug, a kiss, a high five a pat on the bottom, depending on your relationship. Hopefully not fist, a stranger. Fist sure, there you go. Butt bump, you know? <laughs> yeah, why not? Chest bump, any, any kind of bump. Bumping knees. Sure. <laughs> if, if you please. <laughs> but it was good, it was good to, to, to visit and taking a little nature. That's good. And now I'm just enjoying some time off of work as much as I can, but there's also such a backlog of life that... How dare you enjoy such things, Dan? It's not to be... Yeah. That's why we do this little podcast to, to get in those moments and, and get an escape, if you will. Yes. Escape out of something, maybe. <laughs> I think we're ready to, to actually find our way back into it. I was trying to segue as best I could. I think we all felt the, the segue coming. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Between, between the two of us, it was, uh, it was time to hop on in. I'm going to go ahead and read what the, it says in the trailer, Dan. Okay. I'm ready. Which, which I was glad to see last week before we had watched the movie. I was like, I didn't expect a trailer. Mm-hmm. And and there was one. So that was that was oh. nice. So we got to enjoy that at the end of the last episode. Hyping what we got here. All right, here we go. Uh, this is episode 64, by the way. I will. I'll get that much out. <clears throat> Under the sinister fog that isolates this lawless seaport town, 
a strange colony of outcasts have found a haven. Out of its sheltering haze walks a girl on the waterfront to find adventures where the shadows are darkest out of the fog. Wow. When this kind of woman falls for a man like this, it's a love match that breaks every rule in the book. You've wanted to see Ida Lupino in this kind of role. Drama that flames from notorious waterfront cabarets to the turbulent waters of the fog-swept bay. Everybody, welcome to episode 64. We're out of the fog, baby. This was released June 14th, 1941. 41, probably. Is this one of our earliest? It must be. I was thinking about that. So it, it's, I think it's tied. So this one and Maltese Falcon were both in 41. The Falcon. So, I mean, th- yeah, so yeah. this is like, we're just figuring out what this genre is of film noir. And yeah. who better to do it than the old brothers of Warner. Warner Brothers released this one, of course, because we got ourselves a Warner archive. Out of the mm. fog. DVD-R. Dan doesn't have a copy to hold up, apparently. Thank you, Dan. No, I do. Sorry. I'm, I, I usually was... we do this at the same time. That's all. I was getting tripped out because I first first I could have sworn it was episode sixty five, but I guess I am wrong. Is it true? Wait, or am I wrong or right? No, it's sixty four. It's sixty four, but you email when you emailed the link, it was sixty five. Ah, so that's that, why I got. I was it. I was scared. Okay, I, I want to make sure we were accurate because I thought I thought we had made sixty five already, and I was like, whoa, this is really flying by. Um, <laughs> sixty four, <laughs> it's still not flying by that fast. Yeah, yeah, hold 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 your horses. It's only sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> um uh yeah it's crazy it's, it's coming along um yeah. directed by anatoly litbach screenplay mm-hmm. by robert mccauley robert rosen and jerry wald based on the play first play adaptation i believe uh gentle people by Irwin shaw mm-hmm. welcome to the show everybody dan first question H- mm-hmm. how is the fog how'd you feel about the fog I'm glad you asked that. Um, I mean, come on. This is a hashtag Fogcast if there ever was one. I, 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 it, coming into this episode, I had, I had basically, there's, there's three like check marks, like boxes that got checked for me personally sure. of things I did like. One, obviously, is the fog. I think it does deliver on the fog. Fantastic on the fog. I was not, yeah. I was not just, I felt good. I was like, you know right. what? If Dan doesn't like this fog, I don't know what I could give this guy. Exactly. So there's that. Two, uh, the use of the word jalopy a few times was in there. So oh, I, yes. I, I appreciate that. Although bizarrely about a boat. A boat, I yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so that was weird. So, but I mean, first, first time like, for everything. In a way, yeah. It's like, you know what? Show me something new, huh, movie? Right. Well done. And you got early early Ida Lupino. I mean, Ida Lupino in general is great, but early Ida Very Ida young Lupino is great. and, yeah. um, you know, at a, at a very great time, exciting time of her career. And, and she's mm-hmm. fantastic in it. Yeah, just coming off a uh, High Sierra, I think, at this point. We'll get into that, Dan. Yeah, Absolutely. I think I'm sure you have some 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 fun facts about that. I think we both may have some fun with these facts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll confer about our fun facts. Absolutely, I think they may line up because there's only so many fun facts about this movie. Not because it's not fun, but just you know, hey, you, you get what you get. This was interesting. This was an interesting. I'm one. very much looking forward to talking about this one. I yeah. I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, so from yeah. out of the fog, Dan comes John Garfield, aka Harold Goff, right off the bat. And you might miss him lighting a boat on fire because if you're me, you're very distracted by how thin his eyebrows are in this one. And I gotta say, I, I, I don't love John Garfield I, I, in general. I, I will say that, but I will say I did like him in this. He has a lot of fun in it. There's some very great scenes, especially towards the end. He's a jerk, though. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty awful in this movie. He's, he's, a, he's a fantastic jerk in this one. Yeah. But yeah, Harold Goff is who he is. 
and we'll figure out why he is lighting out this boat in a little bit. They'll become more clear. But right now he's trying to avoid the gaze of a police officer, Officer Magruder. We're going to meet him a little bit more on to uh, on the pier he where he's coming out from the water where he's burning these boats. He heads to a diner and this thing has quite a cast of characters in yes. this place. I want to give a special shout out, especially to Leo Gorsi as Eddie behind the register. Yeah. Uh, there's only so much with him, but he deserves a, a nice little little something. Uh, yeah. And he, each one there is very unsatisfied with their lives and the rat race that they're trapped in. You've got Olaf, he's a chef. And then there's Caroline, she's a waitress there who's like super in love with him, coming in hot towards him. <laughs> like, mm. just like, we're going to get married. And he's like, uh, I don't know. Olaf's a very like, you know, meek kind of guy. He's like, uh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> not, not really. No, thank you. Uh, he's a friend, Jonah or Yona, as he's called to him, uh, yeah. who's a tailor. And together they share a fishing boat, a small fishing boat. Um, it's one of their very few escapes of life. They're very miserable. They've slowly been saving up to buy an even bigger boat so they can go full time and quit their jobs. And, you know, maybe in Yona's case, leave his shitty wife, which we'll also get into. <laughs> yep. Go down the Gulf Stream into, you know, around Cuba, which we'll get to. Exactly. Lots to look forward to in a life like this. Now, at, at this point, yes, the news has made it to the diner. Everyone's heard about it. And they all leave except for John Garfield, who sneaks his way back to the kitchen where Olaf still is. And this is where we find out John Garfield's motivation. He's a small time gangster. He's a very nasty guy. And uh, he's like, you know, hey, be a shame if your boat ended up on fire. He wants five dollars a week from them. They're not interested in that. You know, they're very sweet men. They believe in the world, even though they're beaten by it, especially Olaf. So like, no, thank you. <laughs> See you later. Uh, so they head to their boat to fish and, and Garfield heads back into the fog, back at the diner. Eddie, the guy behind the cash register, he gets in trouble for following his love of fires because before he's like, hey, mister, would you mind watching a place me for a minute? You see, I'm just a sucker for fires. <laughs> it's like, OK, <laughs> yeah, cool, dude. And in comes Stella, Ida Lupino, as beautiful as ever, of course. She's also dissatisfied with life on the pier. She works for the telephone company and, and she's just trapped here like everybody else. She basically is just bored with life and wants wants something, you know, exciting. more. Yes. Yeah, she wants something exciting in her life. Yeah. And, and who should come in? The opposite of that. Her boyfriend, uh, George Watkins. Yeah. Played by Eddie Albert. Dan, just, have you figured out why we're here yet? I have not figured out why we're here yet. Eddie Albert is, of course, the star of Green Acres. Oh, and I had. It. I had been looking for in their filmography had that he had done a lot of movies. I was like, had he done a film noir? And he had done one film noir and it is this movie out of the fog. Okay. Then now, now it all makes sense. Now it all he makes had sense. something. Yeah. And also the fog, of course I was, and I don't Lapino. I mean, but th- th- that was something that had tempted me to, to check this one out. Uh, Sam Drucker, who is on uh, green acres, of course has appeared in many a film noir, but here we have, Mr. Eddie Albert. And uh, it's very fascinating to see him at this time. It'll slick back hair and the leather jacket and just not as impressive as John Garfield, but maybe Dan feels otherwise because John Garfield sucks. Honestly, yeah. the answer is probably somewhere in between. Yeah. I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy, George. Just, he just doesn't seem, it seems like he definitely cares about Isla Pena throughout the movie, but just doesn't. Yeah. He d- d- isn't as exciting as John Garfield is. Well, I don't know if he necessarily understands 
stands Ida Lupino though. Like, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, um, you know, like he definitely like likes her and likes everything that she has to offer, but he seems to be missing the fact that she doesn't want to stay here and she's right. bored by everything around, even though you're like, okay, what weird small town is this pier in? We're in Brooklyn, Dan. Like, yes. you know, it's like, yep. th- things could be worse and more boring, but. Well, it's perpetual, perpetual fog there all the time. I can That's see why true. they're all bummed out all the time. You, you can't even see in front of you. Yeah. Let alone playing a future. Yeah. So yeah, Ida Lupino, she's not too keen on this guy anymore. He's a townie. He's peaked. You know, he used to be a football star. Now he's nothing. And she, she just wants to get out of here and live a life of excitement. So who is here to answer that call? John Garfield. He comes back in, he interrupts this card game that's going on and he pulls off some magic tricks for everybody. And George is like, oh, that's pretty impressive. Let me try it. And he, he totally blows it. And, and mm-hmm. that bums out Ida Lupino big time. I was like, this is pretty much the last straw I had to give for you. And you embarrassed me. So she grabs the cards and then throws them and then storms off. And Eddie Albert goes after her. She tells him, hey, you're a great guy, but I, I want more. Then this paper boy who looks like a tiny man comes and interrupts him. And- hey, George! All right, I'll be right there. Great. He's got the perfect mm-hmm. Brooklyn paperboy voice. And yeah, so he interrupts this deep conversation. And so they agree to meet later, although Ida Lupino is, is clearly not stoked at the outcome of this. And now we're back fishing in the fog at night. You know, it's the only time you could really get away to do such things. And But there's that nice foggy ambiance on these boat scenes and uh, Jonah and Olaf they have these very deep conversations it's very nice I love the scenes with them on the boat mm-hmm. what'd you what'd you think of the, this duo Dan I like them I, I liked I like that it really does portray them as like these I guess good guys or whatever for the yeah. most part and and they're really like they're kind of like you know eking out their existence but they have this one mutual escape it's, yeah. it's that it's the boat it's it's the fishing it's like it's their getaway, you know, from the mundane of, of life. Yeah. Um, Jonah's so I, a ta- I like that. Jonah's yeah. a tailor and his, you know, he's got a, a wife and we're about to find out that his daughter is Ida Lupino. Mm. So he, he likes his daughter, but his wife is a total drag and, and we'll meet her soon enough to, to confirm this, mm. you know, Olaf's doing what he can as a, as a short order cook. So things aren't going too well for them, but they're dreaming of this life and they're, they're finally getting close enough to, to make it. They have $190, which isn't a lot of money, but at the same time, they figured out an installment plan that they can pay for a big boat and, and they can make it towards their dream. It's looking good. You know, we're on top of the world. How could things go wrong? Here's where Ida Lupino shows up and she's comes with bad news that, you know, the mom wants to see him. And Jonah's like, we don't talk about mom in the boat, which was very funny. Mm. And then they ask about George and she's like, well, I don't talk about George on the pier. So give me a cigarette. So she takes off and runs into John Garfield who asks if she needs a light. And he starts fucking with her is like taking away the light. Yeah. That, that, she, I, I did like that. That sequence. Was so good. good. Some yeah. classic dickery. And, and she loved it too. She was all in on this and he's talking himself up saying, Hey, I'm on the rise. Your boyfriend's a dud. He probably wants to leave the city to start a farm or something. I can see you're bored. Let me excite you. She plays coy. He doesn't buy it though. But he's got some business with some fishermen, so we'll we'll go ahead and talk later. I bet you'll go ahead and meet me at the drugstore later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, Goff gives him the hard sell. The fishermen asking for five dollars a week to keep their boat, which was called the Enterprise the Third. <laughs> mm-hmm. The third that was nice. He's like, I like your daughter, Jonah. She looks real good, Jonah. He stays strong. He's like, I want nothing to do with this. 
he gets his fishing pole broken as a result, which he then yells from Magruder. He's got a great Magruder, Magruder yelling voice. Yeah. Sounds like a total tattletale. Yeah. But Olaf's like, what are you doing, man? We got to, you got to keep quiet. We all paid someone to live anyways. What's one more debt? And Magruder comes over and, you know, he all, he is, he's like, I don't like John Garfield anyways. Like, fuck this guy. Yeah. But Jonah's like, oh, I have an extra sandwich. And Magruder's like, cool, I'm hungry. So it's not all bad news. Uh, Jonah heads back home to his wife where there is bad news. His wife, Florence, and she's operating at like 110%. She's sassing Olaf, complaining about the fish. You know, it's a wonder Jonah wants some time to himself, huh? God forbid. Uh, yeah. Jonah checks on Stella, asks how her date went with George, and she lies about it and says that it went fine. Olaf takes off and then George shows up and is worried about Stella because she didn't show up for the date. And Jonah lies for his daughter and say that she was feeling under the weather, but mm-hmm. that's not true. Jonah tries to talk to Stella and she's awake smoking in the house, which is a no, no, because I think earlier he's like, you know, don't be seen smoking or whatever mm-hmm. as he tosses her a cigarette. Yeah. But she doesn't want to answer the door. So she stays quiet, turns the light off. And meanwhile, Florence is yelling for Jonah and he finally gives in to his his evil wife uh the next day olaf and jonah they head to the boat they're talking about the next boat and how everything's going to be better jonah thinks hey we might be off the hook but olaf knows better john garfield shows up waiting for him and waiting for his money and jonah doesn't want to pay which causes garfield to get a little violent and uh instead of hitting jonah he hits olaf (laughs) which of course makes jonah feel guilty and uh then garfield's like hey uh, i wrote out this receipt for you guys to sign it's for a phony debt to explain why you guys are paying me in case I get in any legal trouble over this. And that, and saying that I gave you a loan for the for the big boat. Yeah, for two thousand dollars. Yeah, it's five five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now these guys are totally squeezed dry. They barely were able to save for the dream, and now here comes this guy to get the last drops from them. Such a bummer. That's not going to come up. That's not going to come up later, is it? That that contract. Nah, <laughs> you know, that's just some nice scenery additions. That's all. Yeah. So yeah, they sign. They pay him. That's that. John Garfield gives him some cigars. He's like, hey, let's celebrate. I I love when this stuff comes together. We're all having a good time. Jonah throws his in the water and Garfield's like, well, whatever. They're dime cigars. Anyways, peace out. I'm off to fuck your daughter. And now (laughs) I Lapino's at the drugstore. She's getting all pretty for John Garfield. It doesn't take much. Don't worry. He shows up knowing, of course, that she would be there to see him. And then also that kid that George knows that paper boy kid or whatever. He's like playing pinball in the corner, which is a lot of fun. And mm. uh, of course, you know, he, he saw everything. So I'm sure he's going to pass along the word. And when it comes time to pay for Ida Lupino's drink or whatever she ordered, Garfield pulls out the money that he got from her dad. <laughs> yeah, that was messed up. That's so messed up. It's so fucked up. It was yeah. deliciously evil, I think. And so it's like, cool. She's back home rocking out to some tunes. And Joan is like, I know you've been lying to me. And she owns up right away. It shows how great they have a relationship. You know, it's a good father-daughter relationship, but she ultimately can't be swayed. She finds this guy way too exciting. She has this great speech about, she says, like, he's a disease that I want to catch. It's it's awesome. Mm -hmm. You've been going out with golf, haven't you? Yes, I've been going out with golf. Stella, have I ever interfered with your life? Oh, no, Pop. You've been swell. Just a second. But now, this guff. Now I have to speak up. Stay away from him, Stella. Please stay away from him. He's a bad man. He's an exciting man, Pop. Well, he's been all over the country. New York, Chicago, Atlantic City. He's been in jail, maybe. Those other places he's seen in the movies. He's a disease. Then it's a disease I want to catch. It's a disease that 
Well, it makes me able to sit in the subway in the morning and look at all the people around and say to myself, I'm not like them. I'm not like the people in the subway. I'm different. I've got something they haven't got. What? Well, something, Pop. I don't know just what, but something. Look, Stella, you're my own daughter, and I'd like it better than anyone if you were extraordinary. But you're not. I don't love you any less for that, baby. There's nothing so terrible about being an ordinary person, Stella. All right, so I am ordinary. Okay. Well, ordinary or not, I'm going to take my fling with Harold Goff. Why shouldn't I? Listen, Stella. Do you... Do you know how Goff makes a living? He's a cheap racketeer. He takes money from poor people. Five dollars, three dollars, anything he can get. If they don't pay, he beats them. How do you know? I know. I don't believe it. And even if it's true, so what? That's the way the world's made, Pop. The strong take from the weak. If it wasn't Goff, it'd be somebody else. Uh, really great lines in this one. And yeah, Jonah's like, I got some money saved. I got $190. Clearly you're stressed out. You've been working nonstop. I totally get it. You see my life. Why don't you go ahead and take a nice trip? She wants to go to Cuba. And yeah, she's all excited about that. They have a very nice moment until Florence comes home to nag at them. Like, ah, you know, a daughter used to come to her mother and like all that. It's like, just let them have a moment. Damn. Yeah. She's coming in hot, of course. And now there's someone at the door and it's Goff. He's got a gift in hand, ready for his date with Stella. George answers the door. He's pissed off. He's like, get out of here. I don't want you to see my daughter, obviously. Like, how could you? the relationship we have? How are you going to add my daughter to it? That's not mm-hmm. cool. And George also comes in and shows up to see Stella and Garfield cuts him off. He's like, yeah, I got this gift I got for her. He's like really bragging. How he's about to go out with his girl. And George doesn't like that. Sees right through him and, and Goff takes a swing at him. But George is able to block it. And then Stella comes down to break it up. And this amazing outfit. Mm, yeah. Pretty great for 1941. Um, oh, yeah. And Garfield and, and Lupino, they're off to a Cuban club. And Goff is just at his peak awful, just practically hitting on other women. Like, hey, check out this beautiful woman over here. And I was like, yeah, but what do you care? I'm here with you. That's good enough, right? Right, yeah. And she's big, like, big high roller there. He's know? a big timer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and she's like, hey, that's pretty funny. We're here. I'm actually going to Cuba, thanks to my father. Um, well, at first, she didn't say who it is. And like, Goff gets real jealous. You know, he's got the nerve to do that after everything. It's like, no, it's my dad. And instead of jealousy, now he's just curious, like, oh, your dad has money to send you to Cuba? Like, he was complaining about how he barely can afford $5 a week. And now I know he has $190. That's pretty interesting. Let me look into that. But they dance. They have a great time before they head off to the pier pretty early in the morning. And and Goff convinces Stella to stay out a little bit later. You know, she sees a ship in the distance and gets very romantic about leaving Brooklyn. She says she's only left once to go to a funeral. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're, you're probably going to want to get out of town, I'd imagine. And that makes Goff want to pay for this trip to Cuba himself so they can go together. And Stella's like, you're a racketeer, right? And <laughs> I, I know all about you. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Your father's one of my customers. Isn't that yeah. funny? Like, he doesn't hold anything back. <laughs> Not at all. He's a, he's a really fun piece of shit in this i i had a blast with garfield and i like we were saying before like i mean i i'm not a huge garfield fan it seems like the stuff that people really love i find he's just a bit of a slog i respect him but it just doesn't necessarily do it for me but i just right he really had a lot of fun with this one in in a way and i i just really appreciated that Um, yeah i would agree she doesn't like that he's (laughs) milking her father but you know what it's fine they kiss it it doesn't seem like it's gonna matter after all so she goes to sneak back it's five in the morning classic sneak back time dan and george is waiting for her trying to figure out what the hell is going on am i getting dumped what what the give me give me some context some closure 
but she wants to talk later. She doesn't want, she doesn't want to deal with this now, but George wants his answer. So Stella's like, you know, I know you want to marry me and have me be anchored by a bunch of kids and we'll never leave here, but that's not me. And George disagrees. He could say it a little better, but you do what you got to do. He's like, you know, I think you would like it if you tried it. You, you'd appreciate what you already have. It's not a bad life whatsoever. Goff is just a crook. He's, he's a phony guy, but she, of course, still needs more time to think. So we separate from here. And now the uh, we go to the diner where there's a birthday party going on for Caroline. There's, there's a great line here because you see Olaf and Jonah, they are hiding under the dock. Uh, <laughs> Olaf's hiding from Caroline because he doesn't want to see it. And they're like, she's 37 today. She wants me to go to her birthday party. Her 37th birthday. <laughs> so she says, 37. She's 15 minutes younger than the Roman Empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good line. And uh, Goff shows up because he tends to show up in these situations. He's Mr. Peer, after all, Dan. And he, he, he is psyched on the news of this $190. God forbid it'd be 200 huh? I thought about that the whole time, and I was going to say something earlier about it. Like it's it's very interesting of that that that's the amount, but I guess that seems more believable because it seems like realistic. Like that's just where he's at right now with the savings. Isn't it I, crazy I how know. something could be so unbelievable and believable at the same time? Yeah, I think that's what what's so weird about it. But hey, I'll take ninety dollars exactly. Yeah, yeah. And this time, Jonah's like, I'm done with this. I, you're going after my daughter. No more. Magruder, Magruder yells for him again, and Goff has this great line. He's like. Thing I'm serious about. I don't like to appear in court. Help! <laughs> <laughs> he does seem like a guy that's appeared in court absolutely at least, at least once before. And Magruder gets there and he's like, I'm sick of this guy. I can't wait to get him out of here. Yeah. This time there's no sandwich, but it's all right. The guys are ready to fink on golf. That's good. And they go right to court, Dan. Like immediately. Oh, They're yeah. still holding their fishing poles. <laughs> Like some some Judge Dredd kind of uh justice <laughs> bring, bring him, you know, bring him right to court and there's no uh there's I would no watch in between. That. I would yeah. watch that deep fake in a second, dude. <laughs> I know you would. <laughs> um yeah, and uh the judge is not really on their side. Goff pulls out that receipt that they signed. It did show up, Dan. I guess you forgot, but here it is. <laughs> Oops. Slipped one by you again. Yeah. Uh, the judge is so convinced he doesn't care what the cops and this guy has to say and the charges are dismissed the boys are defeated they're talking right outside the dinner party sounds like a real good time because you know how it is the looney tunes theme is playing mm-hmm. <laughs> With, that should be a party song at all times that's what i realized like that's gonna put people in a great mood imagine dad if you just had a birthday party and just drop looney tunes on everyone Hey man, when you're Warner Brothers, you can you could drop that in. And it doesn't mean you know it doesn't matter. You know, I mean that's that's the ease of it. You know, if you have that, you know that ability, why not? And this was before, right? Like slightly before forty one. What this film when it was did it predate Looney Tunes or Merry Melodies at the time? I want to say Merry Melodies was before that, but I'll double check. Hmm. Started nineteen thirty one. I thought I thought it was much earlier than that. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was when Merry Melodies started. So. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. It, I'm sure that song existed. It was ready for parties. Well, that's a tip for the Noiros out there. Just to start dropping the Looney Tunes song. Yes. But Olaf, it's not enough to keep him happy. There's no thoughts of Bugs Bunny or Daffy and the gang. He, he goes in very bummed because, of course, he's probably going to have to marry Caroline. He just lost all of his money. And Jonah, he as he's leaving, he's confronted in an alley by Goff. And uh, you want to talk some nastiness here. Uh, he's like, you got you sent me to court. Everyone's going to hear about this. So to protect my reputation, I'm sorry, man, but I'm going to beat you with a rubber pipe. Uh, I don't know, quite know what a rubber pipe is, but it's a rub- rubber hose. Oh, OK, 
So it's okay. actually it's actually like a cut up piece of hose. I mean, I saw it like folding every time. I mean, yeah, it still would suck to get beaten with no matter what. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty oh, it, would, it, it would hurt. Yeah, it would definitely hurt. Yeah. No, it, it, it had some teeth. I appreciated it. And he's like, you know what? I'll see you tomorrow for the 190. I'll come collect it. Have it ready for me. And so Jonah heads back home and Stella's packing. And she's like, you know what? I don't need you, your help. I appreciate it, dad, but I'm, I'm fine with what Goff does. And I'm going to, we're going to go to Cuba. You don't have to spend your money. Men should be criminals and they should be violent. Otherwise you're boring. <laughs> Goff, and she's even like, Goff's probably going to get gunned down by a cop someday right next to me. And that makes me horny. So I'm all in. It was nuts. I, it was, <laughs> I don't know, but I don't know, just the way she just, you know, delivers this stuff. You believe her. You're like, all right, cool. Yeah. yeah. This is what you want a life of crime. Hey, here's the crime, right, Dan? I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That, that's what you're going to say. Time. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. ever time to say it. Absolutely. But you know what, Dan? Hit me on the neck but hard because now we're in the <laughs> Russian bathhouse. Here we go. This is a, quite a scene. Uh, Igor Potopkin, uh, uh, he's in the steam room and he talks to the camera, I think. I don't know, because he's like also talking to himself. He's kind of crazy, but it definitely seemed to break the, the wall. What do you think of that one, Dad? This was such a bizarre scene, and honestly, it it it, it felt like I don't want to say it was unnecessary, but it felt like a slog to me. Like it, like the the buildup of it and how long it took to execute it. It it it, it, it just seemed extraneous to me. It could it definitely could have trimmed it down. I had enough fun with it where it was yeah. it was a fun slog, but it was like okay, why is this guy full on monologuing to the camera? Right, and then like and then we figure out what's going on. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's. He loves to talk. He's talking to himself. He's talking nonstop. So again, I don't know if it is like a full camera because then it even cuts and he's like, why are you talking to me? I'm, I'm looking this way. But yeah, and he's 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 a hoot. he's in trouble with the bank. But he's like, I, I told you, I don't know how to do numbers and that I'm broke. And it took him 16 years to find out that he can't add or subtract. It's, it's enough to make him an anarchist, he says. But we find out why we're actually in the steam room. Jonah and Olaf meet up. They're trying to figure out what they need to do. Jonah's all beat up from this rubber hose. Like, things are not going well. This thing's got to stop. Naturally, what can you do? Obviously, you're going to have to kill this guy, Goff. So they come up with a plan to take him out on the boat. They're going to fake that the motor goes out. And then one of them will give the signal to the other to knock Goff out with, like, a pipe or the oar. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, of course, the Potopkins interrupting throughout he's like i want to talk come on guys wrap this thing up i, I got things i want to say um <laughs> and so the boys they flip a coin to find out who's gonna do the knockout and then we're off to the pier yep golf he's going to collect his money all is going well he's having a great time he shows up with his ostrich skin wallet it's 23 dollars or, or 23 something like that right? whole dollars yep. i mean that's that's a lot of weeks of uh protection and, yeah it's uh, a lot of a lot of collections yeah golf's also like you know i i, I gotta go i'm gonna meet up with stella and Jonah's like, well, she actually said she's across town. Why don't you go ahead and come on our boat? We can get you there in no time. We'll give you a ride. We're all friends all of a sudden. And it takes a little convincing. You know, Goff is like, I don't know, but I'll take a taxi. Yeah. You know, but he's like, you know what? Fine. You got me. I like you guys. We're making money. You're paying me. I'll do it. All is going well. But then George shows up. Motherfucker is he goes to <laughs> confront Goff about taking Stella to Cuba. And he takes a swing at him. And it doesn't go well. And he gets whooped by Garfield and Jonah and Olaf try to assure him. They're like, hey, man, <laughs> we got something figured out. Just It's going to be OK. I know this sucks, but really, we, we got you. We're going to handle this prick. And they're like, OK, they get on the boat. It's a nice, foggy ride on the boat. 
they get very nice and deep out in the water. The boats are rocking. So don't come on knocking, Dan. And this is Garfield calls it a jalopy here, which is very great. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they fake the motor going out. Turns out Olaf is the one who got the coin flip for heads to do the knocking out. And they're like, uh, it's the carburetor float. And he keeps saying it. <laughs> and I love when Garfield is mocking him. He like does his voice and everything like that. Yeah. I was all in on Garfield. He's like, oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. It's the yeah, carburetor. The carburetor float. It's like going on, yeah. but it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Right. I, that never felt like a slog. I think it's the carburetor float. Okay. It's the carburetor float. Fix it. You know, Garf, there's a great deal in what you say about being superior and inferior. You bet. Can the gab now get this cracker box going, will you? I think it's the carburetor float. What the devil are you doing? Memorizing that? You think it's the carburetor float. Okay. I think it's the carburetor float. Okay. Now do something about it. It ain't safe to be standing in this egg crate. Look how it's rocking. And Olaf, you know, he's been so meek this whole time and he's just unable to to hit him. And eventually Garfield turns around and sees what happens, what he, what they're trying to do. And there's a struggle. He pulls a gun out and they're able to stop him. And he falls out of the boat and drowns. Yep. And the way that the movie from here on out is they're trying to make him seem like that this gets him off the hook. But they very clearly still murdered this man, <laughs> Well, they they try they said something like oh it was like God intervened because like since they couldn't do it like they even say thanks God that, that, for stepping in and and rocking the boat more yeah so, so that he could fall over and he can't swim so yeah. whatever you need to yeah to, whatever justification yeah. but one hundred percent they murdered this guy and I appreciated yeah. it because it was like the code being like ah oh don't not too fast but it's like they killed this guy don't worry like it yeah. was not that subtle. Three days pass. The boys are checking the papers to see if Goff's disappearance has made it in the news, but they're not seeing anything. The cops, though, they go to Jonah's house and Stella answers the door. It's like a house slash like office because he does his tailoring out of it. He gets to work from home. You know, that's not mm -hmm. too bad. How bad could this life be, Dan? Right. You just got to wait for this wife to die, I guess. That's a different <laughs> noir film, right? Yeah. So, yeah, Stella answers the door and <laughs> they bring her to identify the body. And it's like such a spooky scene there it's so harsh to her and it's like in the yeah. dark they're like the lights across the the room and there's all these like corpses under sheets and then they they finally get to the drawers and she's freaking out it, they're very cold there throughout the entire thing but it was a, a good scene some great ida lapino acting there yeah in the fuzz they're just trying to figure out what's going on with this guy and they're actually holding george under suspicion but still in the cops they realize how cool this guy is they've seen his leather jacket and his hair mm-hmm so he's off the hook. But meanwhile, back on the Enterprise, the third, the boys actually find the wallet had fallen out of Goff's pocket and into the boat and their money's still inside. Things are great. They decide to take their money back, plus the five dollars a week they had been paying. Yeah. And um, the rest are like, you know what? Why don't we give to charity? You know, yeah. good guys here. They know what to do with this stuff. And I like them going through. Yeah, like going through like the psychology of like, oh, yeah, and I can keep this. because you know, I can keep the wallet because. And know. Olaf the whole time's like, cool, great. Throw the wallet in the water. Throw the wall in nope. the water anytime. That's, now. The, ev just, that's the evidence. Yeah, yep, that's the only thing that's going to get us. And Jonah's totally slacking on it. And eventually he's like, you know what? We put up with some shit. It's a $23 wallet. I'm going to go ahead and keep it. I, I think I earned this. But then, of course, immediately the cops come rolling up. They, they're looking for the fishermen. And Olaf is saying, like, dump the wallet. The cops are here. Jonah's like, be cool. We got this. The cops are looking for that wallet. Of course, they pat the boys down. Despite Officer Magruder saying like, no, no, I know these guys. They're, they're good guys. I, I see them all the time on my beat. And, and Stella is there saying like, you know, hey, come on. That's my dad. It's friend. It ain't them. And 
they get to stall a little bit before getting to Jonah, but they look in his pocket and they only find dirt and worms inside. Yep. <laughs> so then they take off and Stella cries into her father's arms and they're all ready to go. But Olaf's like, what the, like the rest of us, what the hell happened to the wallet? Where did it go? Well, what could wondering. it be? Yeah, exactly. Jonah, the, the smart little son of a bitch, he tied it to a fishing line and they put it in the water along with the money. Got some, some wet wads coming out. They take their money, and this time, of course, they throw the wallet in the water. They know that it's evidence and that uh, that would be bad. And then all of a sudden, here, make a wish, boys, and it's Magruder. He knew the whole time, uh, and he's fine with that. His friends killed this bad guy. All is well. Enjoy your wallet. <laughs> Vigilante <Yeah>. justice. <laughs> Absolutely. Way to go. Thanks for the sandwich. And now everybody's flush with money. And Jonah, as he tells Stella, we'll take a trip. Why don't you come on their new boat with us? Come fishing. You know, they talk about the swordfish. She's going to love it. And then uh, we zoom out. There's a great shot of the pier and like all the businesses around there. And it's a happy ending. Indeed, we get the Looney Tunes theme again and all is well. The end. I think this movie was fine. I, I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I, I felt very just like there were moments that I liked, but I didn't like I wasn't like over the moon for it. I uh, actually was over the moon for it. I had a really great oh. time with this movie. I just okay. um I, I thought it it was very quick. It was like 72 minutes or something like that. Was it? No, it's 90, 92 minutes. Did you watch the 20-minute edited version? <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever it was, it's still very quick. 90 is yeah. pretty quick. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I just never really felt like a slog for me. Um, I mean, the most ridiculous it ever got was just the guy talking to the camera, but it, it was forgivable enough. But I, I really just like John Garfield in this part. He, he was just mm-hmm. nasty and, and having a blast and... Ida Lupino is always great. And this is a perfect example of, of why she is great. I don't know. She had a great ambiance besides the fog. The cinematography was great by James Wan Howe. I don't know. I, I really liked it. I give it nine out of 10 foggy boat rides on this one. Hmm. Okay. There actually was a 1910 film called Out of the Fog, but it's it's lost to history. So they were clear to, to use it this time. Man, it's so many, shame. so many films are in that category. It's, it's, it's a bummer. Maybe someday someone will find something. I, I, you know, it'd be fascinating. Like three hundred years, someone's like, "Oh my God, look what was hidden." I'm always, in this yeah, I'm always fascinated. Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> they in like a random barn in in France. Yeah, uh, is like this print that exists of this rare movie, and it's like, how is this here? And you know, just what they can do now, like digitally, like recreating things or yes. with the restorations. I mean, you know, a lot, a lot is possible. Not you know. I'd like to see a better print of this movie. It's very watchable, but there's some scratches and, you know, it's an yeah. early Warner archive, but it's not terrible. Like it's, it, you know, it's not unwatchable, but. Yeah, I thought it was fine overall. Compared to our pristines that we typically offer, you know, it's it's a little more on the, the rough side, but no worse than like a DOA or something like that. Uh, we almost had Bogey in this movie for, for Goff, but Ida Lupino wanted nothing to do with that after her experience with High Sierra the same year and because she was a bigger name at the time she was able to to get her way and bogey wasn't too psyched on that <laughs> sent a telegram asking quote when did Ida lapino start casting films at your studio yeah i did i did say apparently they just did not get along when they were making the movie at all which yeah. is interesting because because i mean I, I i like high sierra and i think it works really well but it's interesting to hear that you know that that they still were able to pull off such a great movie but We'll get into we'll get into yeah. it once we get to that film, but yeah, definitely yeah. sounds like uh, the way Bogey kind of was was coming at Ida Lupino during certain filming of scenes was mm-hmm. unacceptable to her and a, a bit disrespectful. So mm-hmm. yeah, 
you know, and especially she, she was a bigger star, so she was able mm-hmm. to get her way. Uh, working titles for this were Gentle People, which was the name of the play, and Danger Harbor, which is cool. It would have been fine. But Out of the Fog is, is a very apropos title. It's Yeah, Out of the Fog is way better. It's a good one. Out of the Podcast, as we, we like yep. Out of the Fog, huh? Exactly. A difference from the play, besides all the, the names have been changed in this one, Dragnet style. Yeah. Uh, the, the two main characters actually kill Goff and get away with it. But of course, we can't have that. Warner Brothers said, no, no, no. And they objected to having sympathy created for the murderers, the murderer going unpunished, the fact that the courts were ridiculed in the play. They wanted the relationship between Stella and Goff downplayed a little bit. The Judaism of Jonah, less brutal, and Mm. the leftist political attitude towards capitalism. And you'll see a lot of people actually in this film had run-ins with HUAC yeah you know actually even down to like eddie albert so i mean it's it's pretty crazy well isn't it is it's weird though because like yeah i mean they kind of like skirt around the fact but yeah i mean they didn't get punished i mean they they basically killed him and got away with it you know which is interesting no as long as the boat rocked and he was able to get off like that was fine right it's like that was still a result of them (laughs) and yeah they totally get away even the cops are like hey wait way to go thumbs up like we approve so yeah it's fast. I didn't see anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Sheridan was actually originally cast as Stella. Okay. But we got out of Lupino and that sounds good. Some fun facts about the actors. I mean, John Garfield, we never really got to go into last time. But yeah, of course, he was called in to testify for HUAC and denied to name names, including his wife, who was a member of the Communist Party. Mm-hmm. And some say that this contributed to his heart attack that killed him at the age of 39 which is wow way too young dan yes yeah he he really went through the ringer the press was all over him and you know started to affect his his bankability in hollywood and his career and i don't know we never really got to know fully what he could have offered but he did do some some memorable films and inspired some some great actors yeah, I mean, I, I always think of Breaking Point because I, I I think that was always one that I saw him like I really liked him in, and that's on Criterion, and it's it's basically like to have and have not, but like more like the book, <laughs> so like not like not like not like the Bogey and Bacall one that came out. Uh, I think it was like what like six years earlier. I think that came out, but uh, that one's on Criterion. That one it's really a really good movie. It does differ considerably from To Have and To Have Not. And don't get me wrong, I love To Have and To Have Not. I love that movie. But it is it is a lot different. But like like I said, it was, from what I understand, much closer to the, the book, which is interesting, the uh, the Hemingway book. Mm-hmm. So you like that one better? Uh, as far as his performance goes, yeah. I mean, not I'm, I'm, again, not to diminish him, but I'm saying as, as like films I've seen of him where I, I really just thought he acted very well and was very good, like like just really solid, solid acting. Like, I mean... He's good in this movie, but he plays like a, a jerk. But in that movie, he's like the protagonist, and like it, it, there's just a lot more depth to it. I think it's sure. just a different. It's a different type of role. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, at some point we could probably get to it because it, it's still considered film noir, uh, Breaking Point. So maybe at some point we'll get to get to do that because it is a very good movie. I did like that one. Thomas Mitchell or Jonah, a lot of roles for him. He was in Gone with the Wind, Stagecoach, mm-hmm. which he won an Oscar for. Mm-hmm. He actually originated the stage role of Columbo before oh. Peter Falk took it over. And that was his last role. Yeah, he was also in a lot of uh, Frank Capra book, uh, movies. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's a wonderful, he's Uncle Billy and it's, it's a wonderful life. That's, I was like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, where do I know him from? What do I know him from? I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 
from It's a Wonderful Life. George Tobias, our Igor, he's known from being on Bewitched as Abner mm-hmm. Kravitz. So mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of TV fellas in this one, too. Yeah, interesting. Our Leo Gorsi, Eddie, just briefly, you know, barely in this movie, but some fun facts about him. He was in known for uh, being in a leader of a group of hooligans known as the Dead End Kids. The East Side Kids and then the the adult version, the Bowery Boys. Kind of like a little rascals type thing. Yeah, those were big in like, especially in the 30s and 40s, like this like kind of like comedy teams, you know, kind of deals where it's like, you know, the Bowery Boys, you know, meet, you know, Dracula or something. Yeah, yeah it's like those, those type of kind of like romps where they kind of get into these. Yeah, like, it's just like a group of kids and like, you know, it wouldn't necessarily yeah. always be movies. It kind of be like serials, you know, that right. you keep you coming back to the theater so you'd see what this gang is getting into um so he was pretty big in in that role and he actually was set to appear on the album cover of the beatles 1967 sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band perhaps you've heard of it but he asked for money and then he was painted out (laughs) (laughs) and he actually died on the second anniversary of the album's u.s release wow so yeah that is a missed opportunity and he's also uh, yeah he's he was part of that group um in uh, Angels with Dirty Faces, which is a great, great movie, um, which oh, yeah. uh, actually uh, Warner Archive just put on Blu-ray not that long ago, and it's, it looks amazing. Yeah. Um, great, great film, Michael Curtiz. And I think at that point, he was he was in one of those groups. I forget which group. I, I want to say it was the Bowery Boys at that time. Yeah, probably. That was like, yeah, that adult version of them. No, I I, I, I take it back. It, it was Dead End Kids. It was Dead End Kids. Oh, Dead End Kids. Okay, wow. Because I know that a bunch of them were all in the same movie, and it was the Dead End Kids in that one. No Dead End just yet. Nope. Eddie Albert, plenty of great movies from him. Check out The Heartbreak Kid, even though not streaming or <laughs> available on any media. That was like one I was reading about, like it's owned by like a like a film, like a, not a film, like a, like some weird company that doesn't own films or like that shit, like doesn't produce films, like a pharmaceutical company or something like owns the rights to that. And like, now it's just not released, but yeah, hopefully someday. Uh, And like, yeah, cause I was reading about some new group like came together. That's like trying to force like these companies into letting these films be available for like streaming and release. So yeah, hopefully something happens with that. Uh, He's also in the longest yard. And he, this film, he was right before he started, was in World War II, where this guy has quite a, a backstory. And in fact, he was awarded the Bronze Star with Combat V for his uh, actions during the invasion of Tarawa in 1943, where he rescued 47 Marines who were stranded offshore and supervised the rescue of 30 others while under heavy machine gun fire. Wow. This guy's great. Uh, he released a, a, a great album. I saw it's on Spotify. He does a nice version of the Green Acres theme and also does a Bob Dylan cover. That's interesting. Beautiful voice. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Eddie Albert. He's great. He was able to survive the blacklist because of his, his war service. And he was also becoming more of a bankable star. Um, and unfortunately, his wife, who was only known as Margot, she was unable to find work again because of how she was blacklisted. But mm. he made it to age 99. And yeah, wish we could do, see him more. But Unfortunately, this was all we got for film noir from uh, the great Eddie Albert. And then the director, Anatoly Litbach, we'll have more on him in the future. He did Sorry, Wrong Number, which is due to come. And then I saw the movie he made after this day, and I don't know if you're aware of it. It's called Blues in the Night, and it's a musical noir. No, I'm and that not sounds aware of that. fascinating. So I would definitely love to schedule that at some point. I don't know I'm if it's been released. That one. Yeah, I'll do I'll do some digging and see if I can. Uh... 
I would definitely be fascinated by that. Do a quick look. I mean, always looking for a wrinkle, you know, it's like got something going. Uh, so good news is that not only is it available, uh, you can rent it on, on Amazon, but you can get a DVD new for as cheap as $3.99. Wow. Blues, blues, blues in the night. And it is, it's a Warner Brothers release. Oh, so okay. it's, it's like a legit, it's not like a, like a budget, like no name company. Uh, it's like a legit rele- DVD release from them from 2008. So yeah, I'd say we should definitely Perhaps get, that, into, uh, get, that, get into that. That price speaks to the quality. Who knows? Hey, man, I, I think that's worth it to try. I mean, for, for, <laughs> I am willing. I am willing. I've taken risks for a lot more than $3.99 on movies. So stay yeah. tuned on that one. I mean, it's certainly that sounds fascinating. But yes. yeah, th- that's something to look forward to. Anything else, Dan, before we uh, close up this episode? Nope. I think that's pretty much it. All right, so we're going I think back. We covered in, it. We're back into the fog. Then, uh, would you recommend this movie? Um, I would. Uh, like I said, like I, I don't want to be down on this movie. Like I, I, I enjoyed it. I, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I just didn't. I didn't feel like it didn't have like enough for me. It, uh-huh. it, it was. It had elements that I liked. Like I mean, like I said, it checks those three boxes for me. But nothing put me over. Like it, it, it felt very much like. It felt very much like 1941 <laughs> to me, it, it, but like uh, on on the side of like, I mean, there's movies obviously I like from 1941, but it just felt very, it felt early on films characterized as film noir. It felt very like early on. And I feel like it's just starting to kind of get like, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. What I'm trying yeah. to say is that it, it just, it felt like it had but more, a little bit more potential than like what I was hoping for. It felt like I, could, I wanted a little bit more out of it. If that makes sense. I think, I mean, I, what you're saying, going off what you're saying, like it being 1941, it was kind of impressive that it went as far as it did. And in so many things, yeah. like, you know, like it was just seeing from what that was going on at that time. And, and like, you know, as they're figuring out what film noir is and everything, it definitely had some, some good teeth in it, I think. Mm-hmm. But we're going to jump ahead a little bit further in the forties for our next movie. We're going to 48. We're going to check out the Moonrise this time in our visit yes. to the seasonal <laughs> weather film noirs looking forward yes. to this one it is uh streaming on canopy if anybody's looking for it mm-hmm. uh, also available as a criterion we'll see what we got next week but in the meantime feel free to email us the real out of the podcast at gmail.com social media it all exists rate review subscribe apple podcast spotify we're there we're there we're somewhere we are possibly over the rainbow but <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, and we'll we'll see you next week. In the meantime, everybody, here's the crime. Here's the crime. Ding.